Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the eight uh, coronavirus quarantine version here. We are on part three of our series uh, titled Suit Up. Suit Up. We suit up depending on the occasion, depending on what the dress code is, depending on what game I'm playing, uh, depending on what battle is going on. I suit up or I equip myself accordingly in order for me to reach success in whatever I'm doing. In the same way right now with the coronavirus, we are equipping ourselves to fight an invisible battle of a coronavirus. So we're following the guidelines set by the government as far as social distancing and set by the guidelines set by the CDC um, as, as far as hand washing and frequency and duration and, and all that good stuff. We're following all that to, to equip ourselves to suit up to fight an invisible battle. And, and, and this is from God, this is, this is just coincidence. But even the, the subtitle, so the title and the subtitle of the series we're doing here at The Eight called Suit Up, our, our subtitle is Divine armor for invisible battles. Divine armor for invisible battles. So here, there is an invisible battle, and we're arming ourselves with these guidelines set to, 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 to make sure that we do our part during this quarantine so we can, everything can go back to normal. So we're abiding and submitting to what's being set. In the same way, there are other invisible battles that are always trying to pull us down, that's trying to destroy our marriages, trying to, 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 to take our peace away, that's just overwhelming us with anxiety and fear and stress and trying to just rip us apart in 10,000 pieces and trying to pull us down into depression. That's always surrounding us. That's, that's an invisible battle. But if we know how to equip ourselves, like we're always on the defense of fear of what's coming up, but if we know how to equip ourselves and suit up to fight these divine, uh, to, to fight these invisible battles, if we put on divine armor, Man, we're golden. We're golden. Because we're not the first person on planet Earth going through this, and we're not the last, unfortunately. But if we know how to equip ourselves with divine armor, and we know how to suit up, man, we can fight these battles together. Like I mentioned in the last series as well, is that, like, just think about this just theoretically, for example. If Jesus wanted to begin a movement, man, he would make sure that, like, he would always be speaking about how everything's perfect in this world. He would make sure that he surrounds himself with 12 men that are always going to believe and always write the best thing about themselves, always write the best thing about Jesus' life. But instead, we, that Jesus guarantees that we'll have hardship in this world. He guarantees that there'll be tribulations. He guarantees that there'll be pain and agony but he gives us comfort and joy and confidence and boldness to know that he overcame the world in order for us to overcome the hardships that come our way in this temporal world. And we find joy and comfort and ease in these words because we, he's the one that overcame death itself in order for us to find life and resurrection in him. And even his disciples, like they had doubts and fear and tried to take things in their own control. But once they surrendered, their own life and put their life in, in the one that they saw rise from the dead. Man, they had doubts and fears, but they put their trust in somebody they saw, they, they talked with him one day, they saw Jesus predict his own death and resurrection, and then, and then have breakfast on the beach the next day, they put their trust in him because they saw a new life. They saw something different about him and their life was never the same. And they wrote about their fears and, and, and hesitations and, and their vulnerability and their transformational life is recorded in what we know today as being the New Testament. So we put our trust in that. And just as they suited up to find new life in Christ, man, we can suit up to fight the invisible battles in this world and for us to suit up um, in the same way. What are we suiting up against? We're suiting up against deception of darkness, of, of the cunning of the, of the devil that's around us. Like the mastery of deception is the devil. He loves to deceive us and pull us away. And what made Christianity so appealing and so attractive in the first century 
in, in Christianity, what made it so appealing is that people, those people that experienced Jesus, they experienced what darkness was when they were trying to do things on their own, and they experienced life when they accepted the invitation of God's love and embraced the new life that Jesus came. They embraced when Jesus said, I have come to make all things new. They embraced when he says, I have come to, to give you rest. They embraced that and they accepted that and their life was never the same. And we are invited to that same invitation that they had from Jesus 2,000 years ago. One of those bold type A personality people that we know from, from, from world history uh, was someone by the name of St. Paul the Apostle. Uh, and and St. Paul the Apostle lived a dark life, did things his own way, but then once he experienced and embraced the love of God and the life of Jesus, man, his life was never the same. And he wanted to be a light to other people. So he wrote one letter to a city in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he was telling the people, uh, 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 he was telling the Ephesians, who are in modern-day Turkey, he was telling them, their identity is in, in, in something bigger than what they know. Their identity, for them to embrace the love of their creator, because what how they should define themselves by the love of God and not by anything else, and they should embrace that. But he also warns them that there are tons of battles that are trying to pull you and trying to de deceive you. But you need to have clarity and understand who the enemy is in order for you to fight those invisible battles. You need to embrace that and, and understand that in order for you to overcome that. But they, they have confidence because they saw Jesus overcome death and, and, and overcome battles. So that's what gives them comfort. So if I embrace him, man, I can overcome those battles as well. St. Paul tells the, the Ephesians, he tells them this. He told them this 2,000 years ago, and this applies to us today. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Like he's giving them an imagery and painting a picture for them to embrace the reality of the battle that they're about to face. So he's going put on the entire armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So wiles are, 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 are this, this very smart and deliberate strategy of the devil to try to deceive us. The, the, the devil is not trying to just say, do this, this is bad. He's trying to deceive us in a very cunning and very, very smart way. So as St. Paul continues describing all the different components of this armor that we need to put on to fight the invisible battles of this world, he, he gives a, a, an imagery and meditation to different parts. So one part that, that, that St. Paul explains is about like the centerpiece of a, of a soldier's equipment. The centerpiece of, of a soldier's army is the belt. And this belt is what equips them to fight uh, the battles uh, of this world. And this battle that, and, and this imagery that St. Paul uses, he says, you need to put on the belt of truth. He says this, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. He's saying, stand up, get ready for this battle, but make sure that your waist, the centerpiece that's holding up your breastplate, everything that's, that's holding your sword, everything that rotates around the, the, your entire armor, the, the thing that, that, that holds everything is your belt. And that has to be what is truth. We talked about in part two of the of this series of of, of something that's that, that's that hap that's happening in, in our American culture is hyper individualism, hyper individualism, that like you know we live an isolated life. We're more connected than ever before, but we're more isolated than ever before. And hyper individualism is you know I, I do what's best for me, you do what's best for you, and you know you do your thing, I do my thing. And even a common phrase that we hear that sounds attractive is my truth. Now, this is my truth. This is what's best for me. The second, the second I say my truth, I am not using 
Merriam-Webster's dictionary for the definition of truth. Like the second I say my truth, like the word truth itself is an absolute. Like that, 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 that like even the, the, the definition uses the word facts. Fact is an absolute. Okay, this is black. That's a fact. Okay, I can't like that's not that's not my opinion. This is fact. Okay, that's an absolute. So the second I say my truth, it, 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 I'm, it like it's 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 like as if I'm saying I'm going to lick my tongue. I can't lick my tongue. Like it doesn't make sense. It, it's the same idea when I say this is my truth. That goes against the definition or the essence of what truth is. There's relative, relativism, and there's absolute. Like in order for to say my cassock, in order to say my outfit, my, to, say my, to say this is dark. Okay, well, yeah, I, I would agree it's dark, but for me to use the word dark, it's, in rel it's, in, it's relative to something else. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dark compared to like my, my cross, this is brown, so this is darker. But believe it or not, there's, there's a, a shade of black, I remember seeing it on the news, like how scientists invented like a, a darker shade of black than what's darker than this. But whatever, you can look that up on your own since you got plenty of time now with the quarantine. But I can say, yeah, this is dark, but it's in relative to something else. But, but we live in a world of relativism. This is true for me. This is what works for me. This is, this is what gives me inner joy. This is what gives me peace. Nobody gets me or, it, you know, that works for somebody else, but not for me. Man, I, I, I can't say that. Like there, there has to be something that's absolute. There has to be something that there's truth. I can't get in my car. Well, I know we're minimizing driving right now, but go along with me. Let's say after this whole quarantine and coronavirus goes away. Let's, let, I can't get in my car and say, you know, what's true for me is to drive on the left side of the road. I feel like that, that's what's true for me. I can't do that. Like as an individual, I can't fall into that trap of individualism and saying, you know what, it makes sense for me to drive on the left side of the road. That's true for me. No, there has to be an absolute. There has to be an absolute set by white line and a yellow line on the road in order for me to get to my destination. So in order for me to fight the battles of this temporal world, in order for me to be a better version of myself, man, I have to embrace what is the absolute and who is the absolute in order for me to fight this. There has to be, a, there has to be guidelines set in order for me to get that. This is why Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And he's not in a restrictive way. He's saying truth is what will set us free. Like that, that's so liberating and that's so freeing for us to embrace that love and that truth. Let's make this a little bit more sensitive here. Sexuality. Maybe we like to, 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 to find that in a very relative way. My expression of sexuality is, is, is like that, that's, that's true for me. Like this is the way I am. And this is my expression of sexuality for me to express myself this way. In this most fragile and delicate and powerful component of who we are as human beings, we decide to approach it in, in a very individualistic way. This is what's true for me. I don't need to have any restriction or, 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 or guidelines of this is, this is how or when I should express myself sexually. That, that we approach it that way but at the same time, we know how powerful and fragile this gift of sex is. We understand both. We say, I want to do my own thing. This is my expression of it. But we also understand that sex is not just physical. It impacts my, my physiology, my hormones, my emotional. It has an emotional impact. It has a physical impact. It has a mental impact. It has a hormonal impact. It has an impact on every fiber of my being. We know. We get it. We get it. Sex is not just physical. Forgive me. But... For those who are abused sexually, 
forgive me, I hate to bring this up, or what we see in the Me Too movement. You don't hear any of those women saying, oh, you know, he just did this thing to me in the office like that long time ago or whatever, but you know, I, you know it, was, it was whatever. He just touched me inappropriately, but I'm over that. That, that. that was a long time ago. You don't hear anybody saying that. You see them crying and being haunted by mistakes or, or something that happened to them decades ago because sex is not just physical. It's not just something I just did online or something I just did, you know, that last Friday night. It's not an isolated thing. We approach it as an individual, knowing how fragile and powerful this gift is, and then it damages us because we, divide, we decide to say, this is my truth. This is my own personal expression of sexuality. The thing with truth, I'm not talking about for us to, to focus on the difference between what is right and wrong. If I say murder, yeah, that's wrong. I'm not, let's not lose track as far as what is right or wrong. For us to have clarity and for us to embrace the difference between what is right and almost right. This is where we need to ask from God to have clarity on that, for us not to fall into deception as far as what is right and almost right. St. Paul continues in his letter to the Ephesians. He says this, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So St. Paul continues to describing the different components of, of this whole armor, this whole divine armor that we are called to suit up with. So he describes, make sure the waist, to make sure that the, the centerpiece is truth. You have a breastplate of righteousness, and then you need to make sure that you have your, 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 you shod your feet. Okay, shod is not really a word we hear a lot, but that's a leather covering that's put over your feet, the picture here or here, wherever. That, that's something we cover, uh, that, that's what something a soldier would put over their feet. And on the bottom of it is, is, is little studs, like cleats kind of, if you will, to, to make sure that they can be able to face and, and embrace the impact that will come with the battle, that they should cover their feet to protect them and so they can know and guide them way, so that way when the devil comes, that they're ready to fight the battles that come their way, to shod their feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And gospel is just good news. So for them to embrace the good news, of peace. Peace is probably just like love, a word that's kind of watered down and just kind of just thrown in every direction. Like I remember growing up, like something we, we used to say is like, peace out, like to someone, but like, I, I don't think anyone says that anymore. So I'm trying to, to remove that from my, from my language to kind of, yeah, no one says that anymore. But we kind of throw it around all the time and we hear liturgically all the time where the priest would say, peace be with you. And then hopefully you say back to the priest and with your spirit. So peace is, is, is a nice word. It sounds, it sounds so beautiful, it sounds so attractive, but it's kind of watered down um, and on, as far as what it means. We all want it. We all want it. Like I mentioned, we're more connected than ever before in history, in world history, but we're more disconnected and isolated than ever before. We're more anxious than ever before. We're more stressed than ever before. We're more lonely than ever before. And the idea for us to have peace, who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't want to have peace? For many of us, though, we think that me gaining peace is I gain it from external factors. Well, you know, if she just says yes to me, or if he just responds to my text, or if he just does this, or if I just get a raise, man, that's how I'll have peace. Or if this just happens with my kid, man, I'll have peace. Or once this person gets cured of this, man, I'll have peace. We always connect it to an external factor. 
right now. He's saying, hey man, if I, if I, just, if I, if I go out of Costco and I just make sure that I fill up my garage with toilet paper, I'll be at peace. I heard a psychologist saying about this whole uh, quarantine of, of the coronavirus. Why is everyone going nuts for, for toilet paper? I have my own theory. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theory, but I have my own theory that Charmin is the one creating this whole thing just for, for, to sell more toilet paper. That's my theory. But who knows? I have no basis to that. So, you know, that, 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 that's not preaching. Okay, that's just on the side. Uh, but, like, why is everyone going nuts for toilet paper? I honestly don't know. Like, my wife and I had to check our closets. Like, Do we need to buy more toilet paper? Everyone's freaking out. But the uh, psychologist was saying on the news that everyone is wanting to get toilet paper because, like, I can't control a lot of things in this world. A lot of things are not giving me peace, okay? What's going on financially, the economy, my job, my kids are driving me nuts. I don't have peace with any of that. But you know what? Let me control what I can. So if I have 10,000 toilet papers in my, hand, in my house, that gives me peace. And we try to find peace in other ways. There's a lot of things that are out of my control, but if I can, there's some things I can control, that's what gives me peace. And we try to hold on to that. Peace is not by any external factor. It's not connected to any external factor. For me to have that inner, pure essence of what peace is, it's not connected to any external factor. It's not determined by the pace of life. A lot of people say, oh, if things slow down, I'll have more peace. Things are slowing down right now. Do we got peace? It's not connected to pace. It's not connected to the place. A lot of people say, well, if we go to the beach or like once we go on our summer trip or whatever, like that, that's when we'll have peace. It's not connected to a place. It's not connected to people. We think, well, you know, if, if she would just say yes or if she was a little bit nicer to me or if my boss would do this to me or, or this girl did this or that, man, I'll be at peace. We connect it to people. It's not connected to a problem. Oh, once, once coronavirus goes away and everything goes back to normal, then that's when I'll have peace. It's not connected to a problem. We have to let go of this notion that well, once everything goes back to normal, or, or, once everything is perfect or things get better, this is when I'll have peace. The purest essence of what peace is, is unconnected to any external stimulus or factor. Even the etymology of the word peace, like the root of, of the word peace. Like if I look at it, the, the, the Greek is irini, irini, and the Hebrew of it is shalom. That, so if I look at the root of the word peace, it means to be made whole, to be made whole. Right now, we're being torn by stress, anxiety, isolation, depression. We're being torn by so many different ways, and that's what's tearing us apart. But what makes us whole is having that inner divine peace. And who wouldn't want that? And the opposite of that divine peace, like if peace is made to make us whole, the one who is breaking up that wholeness is the diablo, is the devil. Like the root word of, of devil is diablo. So diablo or diablos is, is, is breaking. Like dia is the prefix, is, is separation. So the devil is wanting to separate and wanting to, to, to break all these different components. But we are designed, our divine designer made us to be made whole. But we are separating ourselves it, because of the deception of the devil, and we're, lit, we're, we're off balance. We're completely off because of us not having this inner core divine peace. I love what we're about to read right now. This is a beautiful quote by a Russian Orthodox priest. Listen to these beautiful words that he said around the year 1850. We are like the weather. Now the wind is blowing. The, a storm is raging. There is thunder and lightning and rain. But then the sun comes out, and we, and we feel well. Then another storm comes, and so on. We must learn how to preserve our spiritual balance. And when the weather is cloudy and stormy, 
We must be at peace and be joyful. Going back to the analogy that St. Paul gave, he was he's using a visual imagery of a soldier in order to, to remind us of our invisible divine equipment that we need to fight the invisible battles of this world. A soldier, a soldier in any battle or any war, like he has to have confidence, he has to have boldness, and he has to have peace in order to go out and fight the battle. If he doesn't have that peace, then he's going to allow all the other emotions throw him off and, 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 and kind of throw him off balance, and he's unable to weep. If there is no peace, there is no victory. If there is no peace, there is no victory in any visible battle and in no invisible battle. So we have to make sure, as St. Paul's saying, that our feet, we have to make sure that we're walking, that we're walking in peace and toward divine peace as well. Again, we try to define what peace is, and we try to fill in that the void of peace is that person or that place or that thing. But I want us to point to now to another letter that St. Paul wrote uh, to the city of Philippi. So the city of Philippi is in modern-day Greece. And this is what St. Paul said uh, to the Philippians in chapter 4. How true are these words right now? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Let's pause right there. Before we get, well, what is the peace of God? What is the peace of God? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace, that this divine peace is above logic. It surpasses understanding. This divine peace is, is, is above any external stimulus or person or thing or drug or habit that's going to fill in that void. It's way bigger than that. This divine peace that comes from our divine designer that, that, that can fill the, the inner core of who we are, this divine peace that we all desire and hungry for, it surpasses all understanding. And this will not only fill our logic, but also will fill our core being, our heart as well, in the person of Christ himself. How beautiful is that? Like I love how St. Paul highlights for us to give thanksgiving and for us to put on the peace of God. Liturgically, in our pre-denominational faith, we see both of these elements in every liturgical worship. We, 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 in any time we gather in communal worship or in personal prayer, we say, let us give thanks to the beneficent God. We give in the prayer of thanksgiving. We start by giving thanks, by putting everything into context for us to give thanks, even though things might be not that great right now, but I want to give thanks for the one who is the beneficent. And then we also ask for peace. Like, I mean, God knows how many times we say the word peace and it's a horizontal peace with each other. When the priest says, peace be with you and you say with your spirit, but also we desire this divine peace, this divine peace to flow in our horizontal relationships and in our vertical relationships as well. Inner peace, divine peace is our anchor. Divine peace is a person. Divine peace is a person. It is not a thing that just floats around or I don't have peace right now. It is a person who we desire and yearn for, regardless of where you are. Maybe you're just a little bit curious about who Jesus is, or maybe you're all in, whatever the case might be. Let us embrace who peace is. What we say in our ancient faith. We recite this. This has been, been, been recited for 2,000 years. O King of Peace, O King of Peace, grant us your peace, establish for us your peace, and forgive us our sins. As if we don't emphasize it enough, O King of Peace, 
grant us your peace, establish for us your peace, and forgive us our many sins. Who is the king of peace? Listen to these beautiful words by an Orthodox priest by the name of Father Thomas Hopko. He is the fountain of peace. He is the one from whom the peace comes. And he is the very peace itself. And that's what we are saying very strictly and straightforwardly right now. He is the peace, the source of the peace, the maker of peace, the bringer of peace, the content of the peace. He is the peace itself. This is why when hardships come our way, like in what we're, we are in right now, coronavirus, like the words of King David, who tried to who, who desired that inner peace, who yearned for that inner peace, and, and always put that in prayer and in his psalms. This is why he said these words. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why am I fearing no evil? Because you are with me. This divine peace, which is above understanding, is with me. And this is what transcends any logic or anything or any person that might give me that temporary peace. Your peace transcends all of that. And that's what I desire in my inner being. Because it's unrelated to any external circumstance. It's unrelated to that. This is why when we pray in every divine liturgy, like one of my favorite parts when we pray, keep us in your faith and grant us your peace until the end. Grant us your peace until the end. Have you ever seen someone that even through crisis, through hardship, you see them still having that peace so you're like, huh? Like, how are they so at peace? How are they so, like, okay with what's going on? And you're freaking out inside, but you see them all being, like, holding everything all together. And I know, I know I'm not the only one. I see them in other people. I'm like, man, how, how, do, how do they have that peace, which is above understanding? <laughs> I remember, I think it was about a, a year and a half ago, my daughter, Ruth, uh, I don't know, for some reason, she's in her room, and she decides to run as fast as she can right into the dresser. <laughs> and she busted her chin uh, on, like, the handle of her dresser. Like, like I, I, I was downstairs, but my wife was upstairs, and, and she just saw my, our daughter, just Ruth, just like run as fast as she can right into the dresser. I'm not sure what, what was going through her, her, her limited brain there, but she ran right through it, and she busted her chin. So like there was blood everywhere, and it was gush, and it was like kind of open. So we like we went to the ER or whatever, and she had to get like layers of stitches. Like I didn't know you could get like two layers of stitches. So they had to get layers together. And, and, and we were like surprised. We were asking, asking the doctors, like, why is she so at like, like, how come she's not panicking? How come Ruth is not panicking uh, and stressing out about like the stitches and like, like how come she's okay? And the doctor was explaining, because mom and dad were at peace, she saw that peace. Like when she saw that we weren't freaking out, like she, she was not freaking out herself. Because peace is contagious. When we see it in other people, it puts us at ease. Anxiety is also contagious. But when we see peace in other people, we see that, that peace which is above understanding. Man, it rubs off on other people. This is how we're called to be a light to others, that even through hardship, we can't embrace heartache and tragedy and uncertainty and insecurity. But for us to, as we try to pursue this divine peace, that makes other people be like, man, yeah. Like that, that the person is pursuing some, like a peace that's above like a, the, the, this drink or this bottle to try to fill in that, that, that void. He's, he's pursuing something so much bigger than that. This is the peace that we yearn for. And we're always going to be hungry for it unless we pursue it and find rest in the King of Peace himself. Now, looking to the source of peace, listen to these 
beautiful words by a 4th century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom. He said this, I am a father for you, says Christ, and a brother, a bridegroom, and a home, a nurse, and a dressing, a root, and a cornerstone. Whatever you want, I am for you. My desire is that you have no need whatsoever. I shall serve you, for I came not to be served, but to serve. I am a friend and a member and a head, a brother and a sister and a mother. I am everything for you. Just stay in communion with me. I have been poor for you and a wanderer for you, on the cross and in the tomb for you. How beautiful is that? He's a friend. He's a nurse. He's a physician. He's everything for us. And he, desire, he desires to have communion with us. Peace is contagious. Peace is what we desire. It's unrelated to any circumstance. It's above that. It's above that. It is a person. Peace is a person. So as we continue to fight visible and invisible battles in this temporal world, let us embrace peace. Let us embrace the one who is peace. Because this is where we can find life. This is where we can find rest. This is where we can find all the different tough decisions and battles that pull on us every single day. Every time we pick up our phone, we have tough decisions to make. But let's find that peace which is above logic, which is above understanding, which is found in the one who is the King of Peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, so many things around us are wanting to pull us away from peace, are throwing us off balance, and we feel like we can do things our own. We feel like this person can give us that, that, that comfort or that peace, man. All that stuff is only temporary. Lord, now as life is kind of slowing down and noise around us is maybe slowing down, let us embrace that noise and uneasiness that's within us because that uneasiness is what we want to embrace and for us to, to, to find peace and comfort which only comes from you. Lord, as what St. John Chrysostom says, that you are everything for us and you desire to give us new life. Lord, we want to accept your invitation of love and embrace and let this be a new start for us throughout the season. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for watching The Aid Online here. Uh, if you want to catch up on any of the previous talks, make sure you check out our church website, sammarkatl.church, and our YouTube channel uh, and podcast uh, to get up to date. All right, everyone. May God be with you. Take care.